Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoy today's message. If I can segue now, I want to share a few comments with you uh, from the Word of God. And I was thinking as I was driving in here this morning about an event that happened in my life, something that I was there for observed. It's a bit humorous, (laughs) but it does fit into what I want to share with you. Years ago, I was, I won't tell you how many years ago, but I was at Bible school and we had an open Uh, meeting where the community could come in to that meeting. The school was open on certain times for a community gathering. And during one of those gatherings, it was quite packed. I don't remember who the guest speaker was. During one of those gatherings and during a pause in the worship where there wasn't any singing or anything going on, a man stood up in the balcony and he began to what is called prophesy. He began to speak out. I knew the man, and he actually was a Jewish man. I won't tell you his name. But I knew him. I knew about him. I knew he was a really good guy, etc. And he began to prophesy from the balcony with his booming uh, southern-accented voice. <laughs> and that, that was uh, uh, memorable. And he humorously said, and he was obviously uh, was going through a little bit of emotions himself. He said this, quote, My little children, I know you're a scared. And I'm a scared too. I don't remember anything else he said after that. <laughs> but I have never forgot that. And you might say, well, what does that have to do with what you want to share today? Well, about the only thing Daniel, I'll tell you his first name, the only thing Daniel got right was the first part when he said, my little children. How many know that's a biblical expression where God does speak to his people like that, particularly in the Brit Hadashah, in the New Covenant, my little children. And that idea is important for us. Aren't you glad God refers to his people as his children? (laughs) It's much better to be referred to as his children than his enemies, (laughs) his antagonist, his rebellious lot, and you can fill in the rest of the blanks. He says, my little children. And I was thinking also how as David, King David, so established, he becomes so established in the land of Israel established as king, picked out, and as I mentioned a little bit of this last week, chosen to be the king. His brothers had passed before Samuel, and, and, and Samuel says, no, they're not the ones, and then there's David. And many have quipped that he probably smelled like sheep. He had come from the sheep. He had come from out in the pastures. 
And the Lord says, this is the one. This is the one. Well, David, at the end of his life, he had a decision to make about who would continue in his place. Thankfully, and we won't go into all the details here, but the Lord made it abundantly clear to David HaMelech, to King David, that Solomon was to be the one who would take over after him, would come into his place and would be the Melech Israel, the king of Israel. And at that time, Israel was one community. This is covered in the book of First Chronicles and Divrei Hayamim, as it's called in, in the uh, Hebrew Tanakh. It's covered, this whole story is covered. You're welcome to read it, but I want to read you just a segment of it to get the feel of this, how God spoke to David, showed him that it was Shlomo, it was Solomon who would be the one to come after him, also showed him that Solomon would be the one who would lead the people, and also a particularly important point, that Solomon, that Shlomo, would be the one who would build the Beit HaMikdash, the temple in Jerusalem. And how David wanted to build that, but the Lord would not let him. He said, no, you can't. There were various reasons, but one that was expressed, he said, you have blood on your hands. Here's what it says in First Chronicles chapter 28, beginning with verse 5. David here speaking, David recounting some of what I've just been recounting to you. He says this, quote, And of all my sons, and then there's the next little phrase, For the Lord has given me many sons. And of all my sons, God has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Now the Lord said to me, It is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I don't know if you catch that last statement. But Solomon was chosen by the Lord to have this special relationship with the Lord. Did he do well with that? Yes, at times, and no at times. At times, Solomon seemed to be right on, if we could use our colloquialism of today, he seemed to be right on in his spiritual walk. But then at other times, he was right off in his spiritual walk. And we should note that the Lord had told David that Solomon would be like a son to the Lord and that the Lord would be like a father to him. And this type of relationship between God and an individual, my little children, this type of relationship between God and an individual between our Heavenly Father and His children, if you will, His sons and His daughters, is often mentioned in the New Covenant. It'd be quite easy to just skim over that little idea of being His children. The New Covenant often uses what we might call familial terms, terms that are linked to family family terms. And how many of you have heard the Hebrew term also put into Yiddish, the term mishpacha or mishpucha? How many of you have heard that term? Let's see. Most of us have. We use that. They are the idea of family, of uh, some type of connection or relationship that's, that's beyond just a, you know, a, a simple one, but a deeper connection relationship. And I want to share with you several scriptures that point out, and there are many, that point out this idea of a family relationship. 
or this idea of being children of the Lord that are found in the Brit Hadashah, in the New Covenant. For example, in the Besarat Yochanan, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, and many of you had this verse memorized, but as many as received him, him being Yeshua, to them he gave the right to become, and there's this statement, children of God. And then there's this qualifier to that idea, to those who believe in his name. That's John chapter 1, verse 12. His children are those who trust in Yeshua. Those are his children. They know who Yeshua is. They're learning who he is. They know what Yeshua stands for. They understand increasingly they're learning more about what Yeshua has done, in particular for them, but also for the whole world. Because the truth is, God so loved the world that he sent his son. It does not say God so loved the world, but he excluded North America from that. No, or any of the continents or any of the people groups, the ethnoi. God so loved the world. And there's this possibility, as John 1 verse 12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the privilege, to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 16, Rav Shaul used, he used phrases in this, and we have it in the Greek, but you can see clearly that some of the phraseology that he uses in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is linked back to places like Yeshayahu, Isaiah, and Shmuel Aleph, 1 Samuel. Here's what Rav Shaul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? And then he says this to the Corinthian believers. He says, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God. And then he says this, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be what? I will be a father to you. And you shall be what? You shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. My friends here today, you have a welcome and welcome embrace from the Lord for you. As you receive our Messiah and you trust in Him, something changes deep inside. Your relationship with the eternal God changes. You see, spiritually speaking, God's children are not like the children of this world. We're not supposed to be like the world. There are many passages of Scripture in both the Tanakh and the Brit Chadashah that tell us that. We're not to be like the world. Our ways are not to be like the ways of the world. And what I want to share with you are seven biblical characteristics of the sons and the daughters of God, God's children. Seven biblical characteristics. And we can ask ourselves as we go through these briefly, and there's much more we could say about each one, but briefly, we could ask ourselves questions like, how are we measuring up to what the Scripture says concerning being his son or daughter? 
we can see where we may need to grow, where we may need to change. We can see also perhaps and come to an idea where we need to become more mature in our daily walk, our daily spiritual walk, or our, 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 our way of living in general. And Scripture informs us so much. There's a passage in First Yohanan that says, basically, you are strong, and the Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Well, there's a goal there that's presented. It says to the young men, you are strong, the Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So here are several, seven biblical statements connected to God's children. Number one, God's sons and daughters are those of any background who trust in Yeshua the Messiah. Doesn't matter if you're from Yemen. It doesn't matter if you're from Ethiopia. It doesn't matter if you're from Latin America or Australia or a Kiwi. It doesn't matter. But God's sons and daughters are those of any background who have placed their trust, their faith, their confidence in Yeshua and what he has done for them. This is clearly stated and very tersely stated in the book of Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 in the Brit Chadashah in the New Covenant. Here's what it says. It says, for you are all sons of God. How? Through faith in Yeshua the Messiah. And here's a second word that's directed to the children of God or God's children. Number two, God's children know their sins are forgiven because of what Yeshua did. In just a few moments, we will commemorate what Yeshua did with this remembrance of his sufferings. And also, we will see with this as we commemorate what Yeshua did for us as he gave his life willingly for you and me so we could have a personal relationship, so we could truly say that we are part of God's family, that we are children, sons and daughters of the Lord. As we partake of the Lord's Supper and these elements, we remember his suffering, and he told us we do this until we remember this until he returns again because he's coming back. But number two, God's children know their sins are forgiven because of what Yeshua did. First Yohanan, First John chapter 2, verse 12 states it this way. I write to you little children, notice the phrase there. I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you. Why? For his name's sake. The Amplified version says it uh, expounds on it. I mean, the word amplified means to, to expound on it somewhat. The Amplified says, you are pardoned through his name and on account of confessing his name. I hope no one here is ashamed of the name of Yeshua. I appreciate about Rosh Pina that we are Yeshua-centric congregation. Listening to Kevin today, who masterfully conducted the liturgy, and this reiteration about the prominent place that Yeshua has in eternity. He's the Melech HaKavod. He's the King of glory. And we should not be ashamed of him, nor, as we studied in Romans chapter 1 on Tuesday, we should not be ashamed of the good news because it is a power of salvation unto everyone who believes. There's that word all again. First John chapter 2, verse 12, I write to you, he uses the term little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake.
And here's a third thing concerning God's children. Number three, God's children are children of his light and walk and live accordingly. God's children are children of his light and walk and live accordingly. It says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8, it says, for you were once darkness. Many of us can remember before we knew the Lord. I want to forget, maybe you do too. But we can remember what that was like. For you were once darkness, but he says, but now you are light in the Lord. And then there's one of the new covenant commandments immediately stated after that. A new covenant commandment says, it, it echoes Isaiah chapter 2, where it says, walk in the light. A new covenant commandment says, walk as children of light. Children of light. God's children are children of his light, and we should conduct ourselves accordingly. Number four, God's children are obedient children to their heavenly Father and our call to holiness. We sang about that today in the worship service. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says this, as obedient, what? As obedient children. Not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your arrogance or ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in how much? All your conduct. How much of our conduct supposed to be subjected to his holiness? All of our conduct. And I admit that's hard, isn't it? Sometimes we want to say some words that aren't exactly holy. Sometimes we have some thoughts and ideas that aren't exactly holy, but we are to take captive all those things to Messiah Yeshua. As obedient children, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written in Kepha, pulls from the book of Vayikra, the book of Leviticus. It says, kedoshim ki kadosh. Ye Be ye holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. Number five, God's children... God's children know their heavenly Father. In other words, God's children have a personal relationship with him. Do you have a personal relationship with the Lord? Is it a personal relationship? Is he, is he someone that you go to and you turn to him first and foremost? Do you seek his counsel first and foremost when you find yourself in a place of needing counsel? Or do you run to man do you seek his provision when you find yourself in need of provision? Do you go to your heavenly father and ask him? He knows your needs before you even ask. And he provides for the birds. And they don't even have jobs. <laughs> and he provides for them. When God's children, they, they know their heavenly father. In other words, they have a personal relationship with the Lord. First John chapter 2, verse 13 says this. I write to you, again, notice the words, little children, because you have known the Father. And that brings me to number six. God's children, number six, God's children practice righteousness and 
love their brothers and sisters. In other words, God's children practice righteousness and they love one another. Wasn't it Yeshua that said, by this shall all men know you are my Talmidim. How? If you have love one for another, that's a badge of distinction for God's people. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 and verse 11 says this, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Whoa! How many agree? That's a powerful statement. Nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. This we've been saying to you, this to you from the get-go, to use the term. This is the message that you heard from the get-go, from the beginning. What? That we should love one another. I've found, and probably you have noticed it too, that where love is involved in a circumstance, somehow it works itself out. It's, it, it works out easier. There's progress where, where there's true love, where an individual maybe has an issue with another one, where the love of God is allowed to reign in that circumstance. It seems to work itself out. And lastly, number seven, God's children are those who are led by the Spirit of God. Is that you? Are you being led by the Holy Spirit? God's children are those who are led by the Spirit of God. There's this challenging but terse statement in Romans chapter 8, verse 14 that says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, what does it say? Read it with me, please. These are sons of God. These are children of God. Let's read the whole verse together, if you wouldn't mind. Romans 8, verse 14. I consider this an extremely challenging verse. I'm sure you would too. Let's read it together. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. I am increasingly convinced that walking by the Spirit, being led of the Holy Spirit, obeying the word of the Lord, and as I mentioned last week, that still small voice like Eliyahu experienced. That still small voice that he sometimes directs towards our hearts. Being led in such a way, being led of the Spirit, is one of the great keys of the end times. We don't talk about it much, but think about it. Obeying the Spirit leads to revival. Disobeying the Spirit leads to, I don't know how else to say, just barely survival. You know? Obeying the Spirit brings new life. Disobeying the Spirit and living according to the flesh brings no life. The flesh begets flesh. Obeying the Spirit and sowing to the Spirit brings great harvest in the Lord. Disobeying the Spirit and sowing to the flesh brings the fruit of disobedience and a harvest from the flesh. That's not very pretty, by the way. Obeying the Spirit and speaking His words results in truthfulness and fruitfulness and inner satisfaction. Disobeying the Spirit of God and not speaking His words when He prompts you to 
brings about really nothing worthwhile. But when we obey the Lord, the fruit of the Lord comes forward in our life and impacts other lives around us. Because an obedient servant will impact for the good of the Lord and his kingdom those around that person. So as we prepare today for the Lord's Supper, please consider all the Lord has done for you and all that he has provided for you. Consider it. It's great. It's much. And consider it. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 15. Romans 8 verse 15 tells us, quote, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received what? The spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. When's the last time you cried out in such an intimate way to the Lord? And you cried out and said, Abba, Father. I know sometimes our circumstances drive us to that. But what about the other times in our life? Are we crying out to our Abba, Father? And asking him to lead us, guide us, give us the words to speak, direct our lives, cause us to be fruitful. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, what? That we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Yeshua, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. If you do trust him today, please recognize that he went to prepare a place for you. You remember he said that, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there ye may be also. He went to prepare a place for you. If, you, if you're trusting in him, you have a great future. A future and a hope that he gives to you. Because he went to prepare a place for you, and the time will come when he will receive his children unto himself. But if you're not trusting in our Messiah today, in Yeshua, and Jesus the Messiah, if you're not trusting him today, and if you are not relying on his Holy Spirit, if you are not looking to him in every area of your life, now is the time to get it right. Now's the time. Tomorrow is not promised to you. Now's the time. If you will go to him, if you will go to him, he will help you. If you go to him, he will not cast you out. If you go to him, he'll receive you. But how can Yeshua receive you if you will not go to him? He's made provision already vicariously for us. Before we were even born, God so loved us. He made provision for us. We see the elements of that right here. The grape juice that symbolizes his shed blood. The broken matzah that symbolizes his broken body, sinless, without yeast, without sin. He made provision before, before we were born for us. Blessed be his name, that we have a God who loves us so much and wants to have fellowship and relationship with us, wants us to be and live and walk as his children here in this debaucherous 21st century culture. 
Yeshua said this, and I'll conclude with this. In Yochanan in John chapter 6, beginning with verse 63. Notice the first statement that I'm quoting. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Sometimes we get the cart before the horse there, don't we? And we think our fleshly ways are a real problem. No. It's the Spirit who gives life. These are the words of Yeshua. These are not my words. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, Yeshua said to you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Are there some here who do not believe? There are some of you who do not believe. And then it says this about Yeshua's circumstance in the first century. Looking at those around him, it says, For Yeshua knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe. And he even knew who would betray him. I hope there are no betrayers of our Messiah among us. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Verse 66 is a turning point for many lives in the first century. It says, from that time, many of his Talmudim, his disciples, what did they do? Interesting way it's stated. They went back and they walked with him no more. They went back and they walked with him no more. And then Yeshua turned to the 12, his hand-picked ones. Then he turned to the twelve, he said to them, do you also want to go away? And we have to hand it to Shimon Kepha, Simon Peter. He always seemed to be one of the first ones to speak up, if not the first one. Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? He answered the question with a question characteristically Hebraic type of communication. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of, and Peter got it. You have the words of eternal life. Peter got it. It was still being worked out in his life, and there still would be some difficulties ahead for him. You know what? Things are being worked out in your life, and there may be some difficulties ahead for you. But get it. Yeshua eternal life. There's no other way. He's the way, the truth, and life. Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter, Shimon Kepha, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And also, we have come to believe and know, we have come to believe and know that you are the Mashiach, Ben El Chai, the son of the living God. That's you, Yeshua. We know this now. Do you know that? That he's your Messiah? Do you know that he's the son of the living God? Do you know that he's coming back again? He's going to receive us onto himself. Do you know that he went to prepare a place for his people? Do you know that all those who place their trust in him will never be disappointed? I hope so. Those are the real values of eternal life. Those are the real values of eternity. Those are the things that really matter. Let's pray together and partake of the Lord's Supper. Please take inventory of your lives here today.
Think about your relationship with the Lord. Is there some room for improvement? I know there is in mine. Are there some things that maybe you need to jettison from your life? I use the term advisedly, get rid of them quickly and fast. Are there other areas that you need to strengthen? The good things he's been leading you to, the new ways he's bringing, the good new ways that need to be strengthened and encouraged. Are there people in your life that you need to stop being ashamed of Yeshua and let them know you're a believer? Fight the good fight. Proclaim the word of God. Let God do the rest. Here's what Rob Shoal wrote. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Yeshua, knows he calls him Lord Yeshua, that the Lord Yeshua, can you call him Lord Yeshua of your life? That the Lord Yeshua, on that same night in which he was betrayed, that he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the brit chadashah in my dam and my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That's an invitation for us here today. Will you please stand? We'll say the blessings together. Again, we are using these today. The wafers on the top and the grape juices underneath. And would ask that if you, after you're done, if you would find a receptacle, you can leave them up here on the table. But I want to encourage you, if you're a believer, to partake of the Lord's Supper. But to take... Partake of it advisedly, understanding that this is not a trite thing, but these are remembrances of what he did for you and for me. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 10.40 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405 405- 842-1967 or email us at info at Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.